Hello, and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts, Brian and Harris, each episode will try to unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome back to Dad Jeans. We're doing our origin stories, and uh, today we're uh, interviewing Harris. How you feel, hey. man? Hey, man, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Glad to be here with you guys, having an opportunity to tell my story. All right, that's what's up. Uh, the bar is set high. For those who um, haven't got a chance to check out Brian's or mine, Dedon's, um, feel free to do that. They're good ways to learn a little bit about your host of the Dad Jeans podcast. And uh, without further ado, let's get at it. Indeed, indeed. So uh, I guess I'll just start with my six-word uh, memoir. Do it. You know, y'all just pausing like this old hat. I want to be asked questions. <laughs> you know? So like, can you please state your six-word memoir? Man, I, I, thank you for asking. I would love to. Uh <laughs> So my six-word memoir is uh, Break the Laws Rooted in Lies. Explain. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, nah, um, let's see. That phrase holds a lot of different truths for me. Uh, in particular, one, something that I really was praying on, and I think I am going to kind of go there today, is uh, talking about um, anxiety uh, talking about um, depression. Um, I, I've been diagnosed with anxiety and also uh, dysthymia, which is, um, you know, kind of a chronic low-level, low-grade depression. Um, and what I've learned about anxiety is that we have we have these lies that we believe. Um, let's say when you start panicking, you know, you're usually not really in danger, but you're, you're, you feel it viscerally, you feel it emotionally, you feel it, you feel it all through your, your body. And once you start believing that lie, then you realize that you've started to govern yourselves by the law, by certain laws you've made for yourself. Like, it's just, uh, you know, not only... Not only is it not real, um, I have to actually live this way. So when I say, you know, break the laws rooted in lies, um, it's about doing the work. You know, like a lot of memoirs, you know, they these six word memoirs, they talk about um, or or they, they come from a the perspective where it's like, um, you know, this is who I am. And I wanted to be real intentional about making mine. This is what I do. Um, so, yeah, it's about facing anxiety. I used to have this uh, little podcast I did called Trust um, Test, sorry, Taking Every Step Today. So that means, you know, when you have these anxiety attacks, like there are actually certain steps of getting to the roots of, um, you know, what is the source and figuring out, you know, taking that journey and kind of climbing out of that hole. 
Uh, that's a that's one of the metaphors for depression for me is is climbing out of this hole or or being at the bottom. But the beauty about when you do hit the bottom is you can only you can only climb up. So uh, just that active work of getting to the bottom of the lie and making sure I'm not governed by it. So Harris, this is Dion. I've heard the term anxiety and it's used a lot, but I'm not really sure that I have a clear understanding of what it is. And, and maybe it's different depending on the person, but how would you describe anxiety? So um, you'll, you'll see different definitions, but the one that I've landed on is uh, I'll, I'll use a comparison. So if fear is, um, a, you know, like a natural response to, um, you know, physical harm, then uh, anxiety is a natural response to, you know, psychological or emotional harm. So the same way how you have that visceral, you know, um, I guess you could say, pre, you know, was it prehistoric, uh, arcane uh, response to fear, uh, you know, there's a belief that it's the same thing when it comes to, you know, fear and physical danger, same thing when it comes to emotional danger. Um, and it still can, uh, you know, just like with fear, you can feel it in your body. Same thing with anxiety. My, my follow-up question is, you know, anxiety is real, right? Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of attention focused more so on um, this becoming a conversation that takes place in, in black households, right? Mm. Um, men have been coming out and sharing and being more vocal about the struggles that they've been having with, with anxiety and depression. And quite frankly, uh, being black um, just comes with its own set of um, racial weight. Uh, the weathering is what often a lot of people talk about that comes with just being black in, in, in these times. But um, my follow-up question is, so how are you able to um, come into fathering knowing that this, this, uh, this weight um, is not only something that you've experienced, but it's real and it could... Um, you know, impact decision makings and and thoughts and so on and so forth. So I'm sorry, you actually went out for a second. You said, "How am I? How how are you able to 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 be your best self as a father, um, knowing that you know the the smallest thing could cause some anxiety, whether it's a call from the school or a cough that should be gone already, or uh, just anything you know that comes with with parenting." Wow. So that's, that's an interesting one. So I remember when my girls were very young. Um, so I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old about to be seven when it, when they were like one, <laughs> one and three, I remember one day they were just screaming. I mean, I'm driving home from work. I'm an introvert. So usually my drive home from work is actually my, you know, my calm down time, but it was my day to pick up the kids and they were just yelling. I mean, I'm pretty sure one of them thinks she was singing and the other one was just like, I'm just mad. Um, and I remember just feeling it in my chest and also, you know, even a sensation of 
of sadness, you know, because your your kids are supposed to bring you this joy. And um, for me, it was just like, yo, this is not working, <laughs> right? So the same thing around, um, you know, like I said, you know, finding the lie. So the panic that I'm feeling at that moment is what I just kind of hit on, which is, you know, oh my God, am I, you know, am I not a good father? Because, um, you know, I really am not trying to be around my kids right now. Is it that I don't want to be around my kids right now? Is it that, you know, I just naturally kind of respond a certain way to loud sounds? Like there's this drilling down that uh, I do to kind of get to the truth, you know, and the truth is that, yes, the loud noises may um, may bother me, but it's temporary. You know, we're going to get home, going to get them some food and and then that will stop. And it's not it's not like I'm never no, no catastrophizing. It's not that I'm never going to get a chance to calm down or, or get some quiet time. When my wife gets home, there will be a moment where I can go upstairs and get that time uh, in the moment. The anxiety kicks in and, and your heart starts racing. Um, but if you can, and I know not everyone can take that mental journey. It's taken a lot of work to get there. But, um, you know, having a counselor to kind of help teach me these different techniques, uh, all of that, having a, a spouse that understands how anxiety works and understands what I need to be able to, um, you know, get back in the game. Uh, all of that plays a role in helping me be a better father because um, anxiety, you know, and some people really believe this and that it's it can be hereditary. Um, and regardless, my girls are going to witness how I process my anxiety and how I deal with it. You know, do I go internal or do I go external? If I go internal, do I let it destroy me? If I go external, do I let it destroy others? Um, they're, they're paying attention to all of that. So I, um, so my duty that I take upon myself as a father is to be mindful with how I deal with it. Cause I know they're watching. Let's stick with your duty as a father, Harris. Um, you are the son of immigrant parents and I'll, I'll let you uh, dig into that a little deeper. Where do your notions, um, from a fatherhood come from? Because you you draw from probably a larger perspective than at least I know myself. Um, so yeah, I'd like to to hear a little bit more about where where those notions of fatherhood and how that duty uh, manifests. So uh, maybe I had to work backwards on this. I feel like my duty uh, with my girls is to to have them just have a clear sense of self. Like at the end of the day, no matter what decisions they make in life, I want the, I want it to be their decisions and not, you know, just a, a, a echo of who they think they should be. Um, because I think at the end of the day, just like uh, I think it was a dead poet society, they said most of all, most above all, to thine own self be true. Um, I think that that could probably be the biggest gift that I could give to them is for them to say, you know, I see all these different things, the decisions that I make, I can own because they're mine. Um, so, so, you know, that's that side. And I, I believe where that comes from. Uh, so 
I always like to start with my name. So my name is Harris Kojo Glover Tay. Uh, so that, that's the full-on government. Don't use it against me. Uh, <laughs> Harris, as you know, is a common last name. But my people are from Panama, and which is Central America. And there, it's a common first name. So like, if I ever meet anybody named Harris... Um, I'm like, Panama, and it's like, hey, you know, hey, hermano, and I'm like, I, I only know a little bit of Spanish. So we have that. We have my father from Ghana, West Africa, and that's where the Kojo comes from, because in our culture, uh, we named the child after the day that they were born. Um, and what's kind of deep about that is, so like in more Western culture, you name the child who you want them to become or what you want them to live into. And a lot of West African cultures, you first give them the the day that they were born, but then you kind of wait to see what um, personality traits the, the, the child starts to emit. And then that helps for you to choose the name. Um, you know, so it kind of plays into this notion that, you know, your destiny existed before you. And it's our job on this plane to... Um, to nurture who you are initially, um, who you are, you know, at your core, as opposed to trying to push you in a particular direction. Um, you know, so talking about anxiety, you know, it always makes me wonder, are a lot of us just trying to live in who we aren't really? And, um, and then Tay, you know, uh, it was an interpretation, uh, you know, as the language became written. So the reason why I like sharing the heritage piece is because you know, my, my parents were also elders. My father was born in like 1933. So I wasn't raised by Xers, you know, I was raised by like early boomers, right? That's the, you know, veterans, early boomers, that's the silent generation. You know, that's yeah. the generation, <laughs> you know, they, they, they don't talk. This is what it is. You know, this is what you do. And this is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. You know, and um, it it took a while for me to realize uh, that I had to liberate myself. If there's anything, I mean, you know, I love my parents. They were great. Um, but it, I was like 12 years old when I realized like, oh, the joy of a child is not on y'all's to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 seriously, like, it was. I, I t- if it goes there, I'll tell y'all the story. But the joy of a child just is not on y'all to do list. So, if there's anything that I want in life, I have to make it my own. And um, so, what that ended up doing was, I ended up really living a double life. My mom used to say that you're living a double life. And I used to be like, Are you tripping? In my mind, because she would have smacked the glasses off my face if I said it out loud. Um, but now I look back and she was absolutely right. You know, I, I was the Harris that they wanted me to be. And then I was the Harris that I felt that I needed to figure out um, who he was. So I just, I, I know there's probably naturally going to be some of that with my girls. But I want to give them all the permission in the world to, to know that they don't have to be two people. And for damn sure, they don't have to be that around me. That, you know, even when they do something wrong, we could talk about it. You know, this is this this is why I have an issue with that. And, you know, there's going to be consequences. And if you find yourself in a certain place, you know, 
Call me, no matter what. Late at night, something happened. Call me, no matter what. You know, I, you don't want to hear it at that moment. All right, maybe, but you know you're gonna be safe, and you know no matter what, I'm gonna hear you out. And it's always gonna end on a self-discovery tip, you know, as opposed to me having to do it, them having to do it on their own, like I did. So you you spoke about your past as it with with your with your new uniqueness in, in in Panama and I often find it that there are American ideals of of fatherhood that some of us are just born into knowing right because our fathers saw it so then we in turn just inherit it uh, but what from your experience being someone that is from a different country what what do we do wrong here as as fathers it's just based in these lies that you spoke of earlier mm. What do we do wrong? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if I really believe that is wrong. Um, I just kind of, I always kind of lean towards things. It it just kind of is what it is. Um, If anything, I would say, at least from, from, from my background, is we grew up with just certain things you don't talk about. Um, And I have an issue with that because, you know, they're just certain generational secrets, generational curses that I would appreciate it a heads up. But let me just go back a little bit as to to why um, I even kind of went that direction. So, you know, like I said, my dad didn't really, you know, he didn't say much. Like every so often he might just say something and I'm just supposed to look. That was the one sentence, <laughs> you know, and if I didn't get it, well, you know, catch it next year. But I went away to college and I had a great time. Like I, I met people and I feel like it was the first time I really connected with people. And I mean, late night, you know how it is, late night, talking with your friends and you really learning who you are and and seeing people figure out who they are. And I said, yo, communication is awesome. You know, I wish I had this experience with the people that I love the most. (laughs) Man, I'm going to try to have a conversation with my dad. So I came home with my, you know, freshly wise self. And I said, you know, dad, I wants to talk, you know, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) And uh, nah, you know, I I think he was just happy that we were out eating. He was just, it was just, just no. And I really resented it for a while. And then my father ended up getting prostate cancer. And um, one day when I was at school, I just called home, see how he was doing. And dementia set in and he didn't even remember me. And like to this day, you know, I still think, you know, I don't remember the last time I spoke to my dad in a co- when he was coherent um, because I was in my feelings about him not being willing to share his stories and his feelings with me. Um, so he passes away. And what I real what I realized is that you know, the time that I was spending trying to get him to be the type of father that I wanted him to be or think he should have been um, was time that I was 
missing out on just paying attention to him, who he was as he was. Because like the more I grow as a father and as a man, I realize I can look back and I now recognize certain things. And I'm like, you know what? I think my father had anxiety. You know mm-hmm. what? I think my father had depression. You know? Um, and, and just a wide array of things that I realized, even though he wasn't speaking, he was communicating. Um, so, you know, the silence... It's a pet peeve. I'm a communicator. I would love if the older generation would tell us those stories uh, and stop seeing us, even though we're in our 40s, like, you know, we still belong at the kitty table. I would love, you know, if that that would die. But um, I'm not obtuse enough to say, Harris, maybe you just need to be at peace and pay attention to what's happening uh, to be able to get the lesson that you're supposed to get. In Man, that was that was powerful, Harris. Thank you for sharing that. I um you know, I often think we see our parents as always in control. Mm. You know, when they when they don't talk, it's cause they don't want to talk. It's not because they can't, or or when they don't tell us something, it's not because they don't know. Um, but then we get a little older and we start to see a, a fuller, more rounder picture mm. of them. And and it's it's often interesting. And it and it comes out in those moments when we're parents. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, so how do you think that impacts how much you talk to your girls and how much you share with your girls? Does, uh, do you find yourself falling into some of those same pitfalls or do you go hard in the opposite direction and tell them stories every time you get a chance? Uh, I think so, you know, and uh, everybody knowing all my business, but, um, you know, another diagnosis that I, that I have, and I thank God that I'm now managing is, um, you know, ADD, ADD, uh, the inattentive version. So, you know, the way that it engages me is I, I just, I don't like repeating myself. Um, and not like, Oh, I, you know, I said what I said. I don't like repeating myself. It's like, I get bored. (laughs) I don't want to hear I don't even want to hear myself tell the same story over and over and over again. Um, which, you know, was definitely a method of my mom's, but, uh, so not even a but it's just there's so much life that happens on a daily basis that I just make it a point to share how I'm navigating with my girls and yeah I said it yeah my girls are only you know four and six but I've already noticed that their ability to understand context and nuance and um yeah, I, I, I have a I have a running joke about, you know, like, you know, is that a theory or is that facts and why is that? Um they are able to 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 follow, you know, the the journey, the thought of logic. So I just talk them through what I'm going through in my day. Uh not trying to parentalize them. I'm not, you know, I'm really careful about make you know trying to say anything that makes them feel like it's their responsibility to fix. But I do let them know that, you know, life is life is a journey that has ups and downs. And, you know, just just because somebody may do or say something doesn't mean that they're bad. Um, You know, just because someone's at my job doesn't necessarily mean that they're my friend, Uh, you know. And my hope is that some of them will just stick, you know, like the day to day grind is there. I hope they'll pick up on some themes (laughs) 
Um, and I hope one day they'll talk to me about it and, and you know, we'll say, well, yeah, you know, th- this is how I handled it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's how you have to handle it. But um, again, I just want to keep talking to them on a regular basis so they know that they can talk to me. So you, <clears throat> you mentioned your daughters, man, and they are, are lovely and awesome. Oh, but um, I wanted to know what blind spots do you foresee having and raising two beautiful, strong, intelligent um, young women? Mm. I would say my blind spot is probably just going to be, uh, you know, one being a yeah, being a man, and you know, I I hope that isn't uh you know offensive to you know the people who don't really ascribe to to binary concepts, but there's I do believe that there's just certain experiences as 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 women that they're gonna have that you know I may be able to sympathize but may not really be able to empathize fully. Um, hey, give give us an example. Like, what do you mean? So. I mean, I guess a, a, an example could just be patriarchy. In I'll give an example. So I have a friend who I got into a little um, back and forth with the other day um, because she had did some artwork, and you know when it was over, I was I was like singing her graces, and she started downplaying it. And yeah, I immediately got into my, you know, my mode. You know, you know, it was. I didn't say this, but you know, one of the things uh, one of my guys says is, you know, it's a sad dog that doesn't wag his own tail. You know, guys, we we could be rah rah sometimes. And she she pushed back, and I was like, you know, what is it? Why why you know why can't I celebrate you? What's what's going on? And she said she didn't want to talk about it. You know, I'm still in my mode, so I'm pushing it. And, you know, what it really boiled down to was two things. One, the reason why she responded the way she responded is because of a knee-jerk reaction of, you know, her experiences as a, a black woman and not being able or, or or people downplaying her abilities and skills. You know, in some ways, I guess it kind of came off as a, you speak so well um, when it's like, hey, this is kind of what I've been doing. Um, and you know the fact that her knee-jerk reaction is to hide her true self because of the men in her life that can't handle it um, is something it's not a place that I go automatically so a blind spot is I may not be able to pick up on things immediately Um, I'm always willing to take the journey to get there but sometimes that moment when you don't say the right thing just because you have that blind spot and you haven't had those experiences, you know, they kind of hurt. They hurt. I'm sure it hurts the women that experience it a lot more than the man who uh, feels bad for missing the, the missing the boat. But as a father, you know, it's like I really want to catch as much as I can um, because I know that moment. You know, as a, as a man, I'm sure at some point I'm going to let him down. As a human, I will. But specifically because of those blind spots, this is going to be something I'm going to miss. I'm going to push something a little bit too hard. Um, but again, I know I got to focus on the long arc of being a father and not just those moments. 
Appreciate it. In, in keeping with uh, the subject being your girls, uh, one of the things that I'm most excited about in doing a podcast with you and Brian is that not only are we coming from three very different perspectives, but our children are in different stages and going through different things that I think would add, you know, amazing context to our conversations. I was wondering if you would talk just a little bit about your daughter's educational journey. Oh, yeah. So uh, we have decided to homeschool. <laughs> and I love it. Um, it's It's been amazing. Uh, and, and I'll even shout out the program. Uh, we do classical conversations. Uh, which is, uh, it's a faith-based uh, homeschool curriculum. And what I what I love about it is, even though it's, I hate to say it, there, there are a lot of faith-based curriculums that are just really whitewashed. Uh, and I had a concern that that was going to be the case, um, you know, when I, when I heard that. And I, so they use a classical way of learning which is, you know, you, you you do memorization, you know, when you're really young. And then, you know, as you get older, you start to understand, you know, like once it's embedded within you, when you get older, you can understand the why. Um, so there's like this timeline song that they're singing. And I remember hearing the timeline song and I, I was just going through it. And I remember just listening. I was like, man, if they don't say transatlantic slave trade, I'm out. You know, <laughs> and uh, they did. So I was like, all right, I'll give it another chance. No, uh, but what it also gives us is an opportunity to, uh, a, you have the curriculum, but then you have opportunities to supplement the curriculum as well. So there are a few other programs we work with. And we're in a collaborative. We're in a collaborative where two days a week, we, uh, our kids are with other kids, uh, other homeschool families, and we all help out. My wife is an artist, so right now she's doing an art class. Uh, we all have the ability to, you know, especially with the younger kids, uh, tutor different subjects. So um, a big concept that we think about a lot is, you know, what does it mean to raise a free child? Mm-hmm. And that, I, I, you know, I think it falls in the same vein of what I've been talking about this whole time, which is, you know, a lot of growing up black is about um, hiding your light, you know, making yourself small um, so you can navigate these waters. And, you know, what we do a lot of time, which we kind of think is teaching our children decorum, it's it's really teaching them to conform, uh, to conform, to, to not be free. Uh, to not even in some ways pursue freedom, not even know that they have the opportunity, you know, to take risks because, um, you know, it's too dangerous. So a big part of the curriculum is us realizing that it's not school at home. You know, it's not regular public school. It's it's, it's really unschooling. Um, so it's been a great journey thus far. Our girls are brilliant. They, they shock us every day. My six-year-old just made a prosthetic leg last week because oh, wow. one of, yeah, like one of, one of the um, parents is an engineer. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just, it's been amazing. It's the happiest I've been with my children's education. It's the happiest I've been with education, period, except for going to an HBCU in my entire life. Um, they're being challenged. It's, it's a great experience. Um, you know, no shame to anyone who chooses a different path, but, uh, I'm really excited for what this means for my girls and their freedom. 
No, that's dope, man. I mean, and one thing I've learned is that I don't think there's a one-stop shop that, that right. fits all kids. And so, I mean, I'm excited, and I can hear the excitement in your voice just that you found something that works um, yeah. for your daughters. Because that's, I mean, that's what that's what we're all looking for. You right. Know? Um, so that's what's up. And I'll say this, you know, there used to be a stigma with uh, black children at homeschool that, you know, homeschool kids uh, aren't getting the quality education and things of that nature. But that stigma is starting to really dissipate because people are seeing the results, um, especially in the education system where, um, you know, our generation was promised all these jobs. Um, But having kids who are critical thinkers uh, where like every day and everything you do is learning when we take a bath, you know, we got little measuring cups. This is a cup of water. This is a half a cup, things of that nature. It, it just, it bleeds into real life. And I, I just, I love it, man. And I think if you add the three of our years of education up, it's probably plus 50 years. And exactly. I, and really I know funny. I haven't, I haven't made an, a prosthetic leg yet. So, uh, <laughs> your girl's got me beat at six. <laughs> I love it, man. It's, yeah, they're amazing. Every day I come home from work, my, my wife works from home. Uh, well, my wife is a stay at home mom, but she's working. Uh, and when I come home from work, you know, daddy's job is to review their work. And I just, I'm, every day I'm amazed. That's what's up. And so, one of my last questions is I want to, I want to lighten the mood a little bit. So I want you to go back to when you were a kid and had that remote control in your hand and you're flipping through the television and that dad catches you on a TV show. Who was that dad and why was it that dad? Oh, that's a tough one, man. I watched a lot of TV as a kid. Uh, <laughs> I would say... Be a Baracus. <laughs> Polly Shore. Stew pickles. <laughs> and the reason why I say stew pickles is uh and maybe I romanticize it, but from what I remember as a child, he was an inventor. Um so what was what was the show? Rugrats. Rugrats with Tommy Pickles and all of them. Okay. Okay. And uh Stu was an inventor. Uh, I can't remember if he if he made toys or whatever, but I just thought it was really cool. Um, obviously, you're seeing the trend about me, you know, loving engineering. That you know, he would just he would just build these things. And I remember as a kid that inspiring me to, you know, destroy my toys trying to figure out how they work. Um, and it played a role with me even getting into music because I started taking apart tapes and wondering how it worked and, and vinyl records because I wanted to know how it worked. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's simple. Stew pickles. That's what's up. You were rugrats on us. Okay. Okay. Um, so you were very honest. Uh, you talked about your challenges. You talked about, uh, struggles and I I want you to brag a little bit. Tell us something that as a father, you do well, something that you're proud of. Uh, I, uh, I think I've been saying this whole time, man, communicating with my girls, they, uh, they talk to me, you know, they talk to me. They're not afraid to speak up for themselves. Sometimes at the wrong time, I'd be like, Lord, please stop, stop. I'm too good at this. But, uh, 
Y'all believe me laughing. I think I'm funny. Anyway, <laughs> y'all just be like, nope. <laughs> we'll, we'll add the laugh track in the post. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, boy. Brotherhood. But uh, Tough uh, audience. Tough audience. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> but, oh, man. Um, yeah, I would say what I do well is is give them opportunities to express themselves, help them find the words. Um you know, we even did communication, period. Like, even when they, we did baby sign language with both of our daughters, um, even when they were young, uh, just because we com- we care about communication that much. And I remember the first time uh, both daughters, different times, used uh, the sign for frustrated. You know, like, for for a little one who can't speak to be able to sign that they're frustrated, let me know that I was on the right path. Um, and, and then we were able to deal with it and, you know, to watch the tears disappear, um, because of communicating before they could even use words. Um, yeah. Communication, man. As you, as you say that, I'm imagining the relief that her being able to communicate that to you, you know, must have on her. Uh, so that's what's up, man. Yeah. Brian, you got anything else? No, nah, man. I'm glad that we've had this opportunity to to take um, our friendship to a level and learn some things that we didn't know before, and 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 have a space to be able to to tackle some some things that we are all trying to manage, um, and um, you know, see that there there is a way out, yeah. and when you're in it, it's okay to be in it. If you know that there are people around you that are willing to listen, mm-hmm. that are willing to supply support, and that are willing to walk this journey with you, and so uh, I, I thank you for carving out that space to know that we are, we are, we are with you, man. Hey, I feel the love. I appreciate it, and man, let's let's keep doing it. Let's let this spread, man. I, I bet you there are a lot of brothers out here who just identify with all three of us in different ways. Um, And we have tools. We've been given opportunities and tools. So I kind of feel like it's our responsibility to, to let others know that that's available and that, you know, this grind, um, it doesn't have to be lonely. No, that's what's up. And and you know what? That's, that's the perfect segue. The last thing I wanted to ask you, Harrison, I'm gonna give you the final word, but um, there's a guy listening somewhere who knows how it feels for his to be frustrated kind of maybe he's in the car like you were maybe he's had a hard day at work or maybe he can't even find work who knows um how do you recharge your batteries your dad batteries on those days when you know when you when you just don't have as much to give what are some of your your tools or what are some of your go-to methods uh, i would say uh I, you know i'm a nerd man um so a good audio book, uh, a good audio book. And I, I, I personally, I love um, fiction, science fiction. Um, so I'll either listen to a good audio book. Um, I will shoot pool uh, or again, um, you know, just I like learning, man. I love learning about what it means to to know myself better. Uh, so again, I, uh, I feel so nerdy, but yeah, I'll, I'll read, you know, philosophers. I like to know different concepts of, you know, what life is about. So, um, school of life, shout out to school of life. Uh, 
you know, and and wisecrack. I love the YouTube videos. So again, something that people with ADD do is we hyper focus. We go down those rabbit holes. I love me a good YouTube rabbit hole. So um, so yeah, those are three things I do. <laughs> I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Well, listen, fellas, it's been another good one. Um, now all three of our origin stories are done. If you've listened to one, please listen to the other two. And uh, check out more Dad Jeans. On behalf of Harris and Brian, this yo, is yo. Dion. Yep. Saying peace. Peace. Peace.